What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 237 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. Just Adam today. And the episode you're about to listen to is an interview I did with Fatima Farin Mirza back at PLA earlier this year. Uh, Fatima is a debut author, and her book is called A Place for Us. It's very possible you have seen it in the news lately. She was on Good Morning America. Uh, Her and her publisher, Sarah Jessica Parker, were on USA Today doing some stuff on their social media uh, the book just came out last week, and um, man, is it phenomenal. Uh, Fatima is a uniquely talented voice in the world, and her book is powerful and shows a knowledge well beyond her years. <laughs> she is in her 20s. She spent eight years writing this story, and when we had our conversation, it was actually the first interview she'd ever done about the book. Um, so... It was a really refreshing conversation to get to hear someone talking about the process that they went through to create this story really for the first time. And she even told me uh, during our conversation that, you know, it was interesting to hear my questions just because it was the first time she'd heard some of them. Uh, So I loved this conversation. I will be honest, it's my favorite conversation I've had with an author this year and definitely one of my favorites of all time on the show. Uh, she is truly gifted, and I, I can't wait for you guys to hear all about it. Um, I do want to let you know if you have any thoughts or feedback you want to give us. If you go to professionalbooknerds.com, that's our website. There you will find our email address, and you'll also find our social media links. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProBookNerds. Uh, if you go to our website, you'll also find a link to our reading community that we created through a partnership with Viber. And if you join our reading community, you're going to get a chance to get a signed copy of Fatima's book, literally just for joining. Uh, We're going to pick someone at random in the middle of the week. And if you join, you have a chance to win. Uh, We're going to be doing this in the future with a number of other authors uh, that have sent us signed copies of books. Figure we should give it to our listeners as a way to say thank you for joining our reading community and listening to us gab about books uh, all day long. So, okay, I'm not going to keep you guys any longer i have been waiting months for you to hear this conversation so i don't want to make you wait any longer and frankly i don't want to be talking anymore so i hope you guys enjoy this phenomenal conversation with fatima farin mirza on the professional book nerds podcast Hi everyone, this is Adam again, and today I'm very excited to be joined by Fatima Farin Mirza, who is a graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop and the recipient of the, is it the Missioner Copernicus Copernicus Fellowship. Her debut novel, A Place for Us, was the first novel selected by Sarah Jessica Parker for her new imprint, SJP for Hogarth. 
It will be available this June, and I'm very excited to get to chat with you. So, Fatima, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we were joking before we started recording. This is yes. your first time doing a podcast. Yes. So we'll get started just really lighthearted. Can you maybe give some people an introduction to your novel, A Place for Us? Um, absolutely. Uh, my novel is about a family. It's told through different perspectives. The novel begins when the youngest son, Amara, returns home to attend his sister's wedding, mm -hmm. and we find out that he's been gone for three years. Mm -hmm. And from there, um, we dip into different moments in the family's past um, to figure out why he left. Mm -hmm. And um, and then you're back at the wedding. So that's basically like the plot level of what it's about. For a story like this, that's very much about family and tradition and, and understanding the worlds that kind of separate different generations. Do you think that it was more so you found a plot point that you wanted to create characters around, or was it you created these wonderful and diverse characters that you wanted to find a way to kind of bring together with a central point? When I started the novel, I had no idea what the plot was going to be. Um, I began it because I began it after this image came to me of this family, and they're gathered at um, their eldest daughter Hadia's wedding, mm -hmm. and the family they're about to be photographed, and they're looking around the hall because their son hasn't showed up yet, and they don't know they don't know if he's gonna make it in time, yeah. and so they're all feeling. So uh, that was the first image that ever came to me. Sure. And so from there, I started wondering, like, well, who is this family? Mm -hmm. And why would their son be possibly not present at such a crucial moment in his right. sister's wedding? And then from there, I realized that I, I, I wanted to go back in time mm -hmm. um, to different moments in the family's past mm -hmm. to kind of answer that question of why. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't know what the plot was going to be. Uh -huh. And I would just... Um, like one day I would be thinking like, oh, today I'm going to write Hadia, who's the bride who um, that the novel begins with. Sure. Um, today I'm with her at age 13 and I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> and, and hopefully if I just am patient with this uh -huh. instinct to put me with her at this moment, then yeah. something will come of it. And, and I kind of moved around through time. And so for a lot of, a lot of, for many years when I was writing, I really didn't even know how it would come together, if it would come together, because yeah. it was through Layla's perspective, Amar's perspective, and Hadia's perspective at various moments in their life. I have to say, I love the idea of building these characters. I feel like a wedding is a perfect place to have strong characters that you can then kind of blossom out. I'm using, I'm using hand gestures that no one can see on a podcast. Right. But like using a wedding as a central point because it's such a wonderful way to bring these different personalities and these different people together. And then the way you did that where it's like, okay, that's where they've all connected and now let's go back through each of their different kind of stories. I think that's, it's a wonderful way to do it. It's a great moment in life, obviously, and so many people want a wedding to be a perfect and perfect. Day. Yeah. yeah. And so, but it never ends up being that. No one's right. wedding is perfect like that. Right. So I do, I love the fact that you're able to use that as like your central kind of aspect. It's wonderful. Yeah, um, the wedding was crucial for me because um, Amar, the youngest son, or the only son and the youngest child, he runs away. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to give the family uh, um, 
a reason, well, one, the image that I talked about, like, it began at a wedding, and so from there I, I worked backwards, but also, like, I realized that Hadia, the sister, has asked her brother to come back on this wedding day, so I needed there to be an event that's big enough to, like, bring the family back together, right. and then what you said is absolutely true, where, you know, the, t the stakes are so high, mm -hmm. the entire community is watching, the entire family is gathered, everyone wants it to go smoothly, and yet they have this shared history, this past, that is going to be putting a lot of pressure in, in, right. in the moment. Yeah. Um, people like to say, kind of write what you know. Um, but I'm curious if you felt like you had a responsibility to write about the experience of a Muslim American family to help better, you know, help people better understand that, or if it was more so just, it was a comfort zone for you to be able to write what your background has always been. So writing has always been a part of my life. From when I was a kid, I would always begin these stories and I would um, begin novels and <laughs> abandon them. Um, but I, they would always be um, characters who were nothing like me. And they, they had very, um, their names were things like, uh, the characters' names were things like Julie or Corey sure. and things like that. And so I... And I don't know why that was. Like maybe it was because I had never read a novel about a Muslim family, and so I didn't, you know, as a kid when I was writing my own stories, I didn't think that there could be a novel or that anyone would read that novel. Um, but when I began this novel, and I and I first wrote down the name Hadia, I did pause because I suddenly. Um, I realized that that was the first time that I had wanted to write about somebody mm -hmm. who did share a background with me or did come from the kind of community that I came from. And so I, I did hesitate and I and I didn't know if I, maybe it's because of what you were saying about sure. the responsibility, um, but also I, I, ch I made myself a pact in that moment. Yeah. Like I made a pact with myself in that moment and I said that, you know, I will, do my best to do justice to these characters' consciousnesses as they would tell their story, right. which meant, um, you know, also writing the mind of like the mother, yeah. for example, or the father. Um, and do you think writing about characters who may have shared your background or you know looked like you or had names like yours or things like that? Do you think that maybe helped you kind of push through hmm. completing the whole story? Um, Maybe I I don't know. Um, I, I think partially, you know, I began the novel when I was eighteen, right? And so there's a part of me that feels like I gave up those other ones because I, you know, I I was just in you know my sophomore year in high school and right. I started things like that. But also there was a when I did encounter this family and I did realize that I wanted to write about them and my curiosity about them and my desire to get their story right. Uh -huh. And I, I felt like I, I didn't feel what you were saying earlier about a, a responsibility yeah. to to tell this family's story, but I felt a responsibility to the family sure. itself to tell their story as best as I could. Yeah. And um, and I think that I felt that strong so strongly and it only grew as I started to ask more questions about them um, that that is what helped me stay committed to the project and to getting it done. So it was, uh, I think I saw, this was about a seven year kind of journey, right? From? Um, it'll be eight in this April. Eight, okay, so, yeah. okay, so eight years. First off, I'm trying to wrap my head around remaining focused on something for eight years when I was 18 years old. Like, <laughs> I, what was the experience? I, this is a huge question, so I'm sorry, but like, what does it feel like looking back at that kind of eight-year journey of from 
thinking up those names at first and then sitting here having this completed novel. It is really exciting to to realize like, oh, I'm, I'm done, right. you know? Like, it is exciting because this has been the goal that I've been working on every day for years. Yeah. And I kind of reorganize my life around achieving this goal. Yeah. And, I, and I kind of trained my mind to be able to, to mm -hmm. even do it because I, I really think that, you know, with your first novel, you're also teaching yourself how to write. Yeah. And so you are teaching yourself how to read better and you're... Um, and so the, it does feel, I do feel so grateful now to be, to, I feel both grateful and a little heartbroken to be done, <laughs> sure, actually, no, because I, yeah. I, there's a part of me that wishes I could stay in it, uh -huh. um, and then there's a part of me that feels like, no, no, I did it, and I'm, and I, and I'm done, and it's time for me to say bye to them. Right. You know. No, I mean, I, I, I want to say I, I get that, but I, I don't, but I, I feel like when I read an incredible book, you get that like book hangover, mm. and that's just from being a reader. And I feel like I'm stuck on a rut. I mean, you spent eight years with this story. I think I think you're allowed to feel a little heartbroken. Yeah, I think that's understandable. This is a strange anecdote, but after I turned it in, so I have turned it in now, mm -hmm. um, and so I'm I'm done, done yeah. you know. Um, but after I turned it in, I woke up in the day I turned it in. I woke up in the middle of the night. And um, so this is my first middle of the night without it. <laughs> and so I woke up in the middle of the night because I realized that my brain was going over different sentences in the novel. Uh -huh. It was like touching upon different uh -huh. sentences and then it was moving on. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, it, occur, it occurred to me that that's what I was doing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's time to let it go. Yeah. Like you are, you're done. Right. Well, I mean, it is. It's like being in an eight-year relationship with, with yeah. this story. I, okay, so I have to ask. How much, I, I know that a lot of people say writing a like anyone can write a story but being an author and having a novel is it's in the editing process it's knowing you know you get these edits back from, from the people you're working with and it's like okay what can i let go of what needs right. to stay so how much would you say of like your first original ideas when you're 18 are kind of still in the story or did it change completely um structurally it is it is what it was in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I begin at the wedding, um, I go into the family's past, then you're at the wedding, and then the last section is the father's section, um, and that's in the, set in the future. Um, I guess what changed the most in the editing process was that it was cut a lot. Yeah. So when I, before I began working with my like amazing editors, it was, the novel draft was like 560 pages. It was insane. Okay. It was like so long. Yeah. I, I feel so deeply for them that they had to like read through that mm -hmm. and, and help me, you know, cut it down. So mainly it was trimming it mm -hmm. and and seeing, um, you know, seeing what scenes are redundant, what threads are redundant. Yeah. And so that was the main editing process. There is parts of me that sometimes return. You know, I didn't. It's not like I. Even though I began, I wrote some scenes when I was like 18, 19, I, my writing changed so much in the past eight years Absolutely. that I, sometimes I would look back on those scenes and feel horrified that that's, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so when I, halfway through, about maybe two years ago, I, when I was looking at all these different scenes and seeing how much my style had changed, and also, you know, your understanding of the characters changed. Right. So you can move through the scenes with a complexity that in the very beginning you, you didn't because mm -hmm. you didn't know who they had been and who they were going to become. Yeah. Um, so what I decided to do is I, I began, 
at page one again, mm -hmm. and I didn't let myself um, move forward and backward in time. I stayed on page one and then page two, and yeah. I basically rewrote the whole thing with the old sections open. Yeah. Um, and that was, yes, yeah, so that was it. That's amazing. I love something that I've been fortunate enough to kind of realize now that I, I'm lucky. I get to talk to, I get to read amazing books and then talk to the people who write them. And something that I've realized that I think a lot of readers might not realize is like when I'm reading through a book and I'm learning about these characters and I'm meeting them more or less, you know, for the first time, mm -hmm. there was a certain point where you as a writer were doing the exact same thing, where yeah. you were meeting these characters. And so, like you, you said, you know, you, you wrote out the story, but then you go back to page one and knowing what you know because you've now met them throughout their entire story, mm -hmm. you can go back kind of with, you know, that sort of 2020, you know, looking at it and being hindsight, mm -hmm. but you can change the story. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's always been such a magical part of understanding, like, I'm meeting these characters for the first time, but there's a part, there's a time when you did as well. It's so mm -hmm. interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, and not only are you meeting them as you're or getting to know them as you're writing them, but also there's another kind of knowing that comes with, you know, after you've written mm -hmm. it and then you take a step back and you read through it, yeah. you really do pick up on things that the character, the way the ways that the character moves the world or the way that they think that that you even you didn't even know when you were writing yeah, them. Absolutely. And you're like, oh, that's how they you know, so, relate to uh, each other. That's so interesting to me. Every book I ever read, I never had to think about the fact that, like you mentioned before, right. When I would write a story, if I named someone Tony and they look like me, it's because you know 80% of books look like me. Right. So I'm always curious when I talk to diverse authors, and it's why we like to have so many diverse authors on the podcast. It's so important to me. It's like, where, you know, from a, a Muslim literature standpoint, at least in America, like, do you think, you mentioned when you were kind of younger, you didn't see these books that often. Do you think we're doing a little bit better like do you think you can find books a little bit easier that have people who might have your background or do you think there's still a long way to go from a kind of a you know a print yeah, a, a publishing standpoint so let me ask you this while you're thinking about it yeah because i'm just i'm just curious because my my co-host jill and i have talked about this because she's she writes non-fiction and i'm writing some things that are fiction and i as a writer struggle with I always want to put characters in the stories that I'm writing who are different than me mm -hmm. I don't want to make a character who's a caricature mm -hmm. of what someone should actually be mm -hmm. um, so as some like but their stories about african-american women like I'm always curious what they would think about me putting an african-american woman mm -hmm. at the front of my story like or if they would think like why does this white guy write about this so mm -hmm. like, do you have thoughts on like to you, is it a better thing to have someone who might not fully understand the Muslim religion write about characters who are Muslim, or should it be like kind of a getting back to like the write what you know thing? Like, should they hmm. not have that in their books at all? I didn't mean to only ask you heavy questions. So yeah. I have what my intention was with my characters. Mm -hmm. I never thought of them as. Um, of course, I knew that they were Muslim. Of course, I knew that the Leila and Rafiq had immigrated to California from India. Mm -hmm. um, but I never, to me, that was just, um, to me, they were just people and they were just characters. And um, their their faith and their culture and community, it, it, of course, put pressure on them in different moments. And mm -hmm. in other moments, it was a great source of comfort in, in 
and it kind of gave a context to the way that they were relating to the world yeah. and to each other. But to me, the, the, what I was trying to pursue in every scene was not like how how is um, Hadia informed by her identity as a Muslim woman or how does Hadia move through the world as a Muslim woman but you know what is Hadia thinking in this moment what is she feeling what does she want it's something where I think sometimes I think too much about it and it might be because I'm constantly having this conversation with these authors mm-hmm, where like mm-hmm. I want to like you you spent eight years working on this book and I want to like really give you a chance to like dive into these characters I know that a lot of times sometimes authors are like I just kind of want to tell the plot and like and talk about it but like to me I don't know it's just a book is such a unique opportunity for me to like see a world that I've never seen before right and so and then not only that like it makes me want to maybe like get to know people that I didn't know like like I'll go out of my way to go to like the local mosque and just be like hey I have questions right and that's because of these books so to me it's like I want to try to spark our listeners to kind of feel the same way of like oh wow so much went into these characters it would be wonderful to know more people like this if that makes sense yeah and one thing I want to say is that this is um you know this is just one novel Mm -hmm. and it's only when you ask like how what was the thing that you asked about how far are we from oh I how far do you think like do you think now because you mentioned when you were younger that you were writing stories about people who probably didn't look like you because you know maybe you weren't seeing yourself in the books Yeah. yeah so do you think now we've come a little bit further where there are more diverse authors out there that, you know, from either a Muslim American or just Muslim authors that people can find. Do you think mm-hmm. we're in a better place now? Mm-hmm. And even if, like, even if you have any examples of ones that you really like. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I do believe that it's, um, it is a sign of progress that we're having these conversations at all and that we are aware of the, the lack of diverse cultures and communities and, um, reflected in fiction and and, but I for me what point that I would want to see Mm -hmm. about Muslim literature or for for Muslim American literature um, is that you know this novel is just about one family one particular family and it 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 is not representative of what life is like for all Muslims living in America Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure plenty of people will be able to relate to it and also there will also be plenty of people who say no this is not what my experience right. is like or this is not what my experience has been like and so I one thing that I would love to see in the years to come is that there um, we start to see you know more um, we start to see more one thing I would love to see in the future is more depictions of what it's like to be Muslim yeah. in America or or um, yeah, some more depictions, and so yeah. that we can, we can, so that we can see that like wow, like the ex- the experience is as unique, as individual, as varied as you know any other community, yeah. any other you know. I don't want yeah. That's so that that's sense? so beautiful. No, that's perfect because exactly what you said is like, you have this wonderful story about this family, and you, know, you said this, this culmination. It's their central point is this wedding, and then you go back to all their lives. But no matter how many 
aspects of this one family's life, you tell it's one family. It's yeah, it's one family, and it's a story about them as a, it's a story about their life as a family. Right. Like it's a story about them throughout these years in their life, and I don't think it's a story. Yeah, like the the truth that the novel is trying to arrive at is not you know. To, to not trying to express to the reader this is what it's like to be Muslim in America but rather you know this is what it's like to be a father to a son that he's having trouble communicating with or this is what it's like to be um, a son who feels both inside his community and loved by it as well as outside of his community and and confused about his place in it yeah. so yeah that's eight years of kind of writing yes. this I don't want to write about like what's your, ask about like what's your next book because I'm not going to be that mm-hmm. mean. That sounds like a whole book. Like, <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> but, like while you were spending all this time with this book, did you ever kind of take like mental breaks to write other things for yourself, or like, or did you kind of have that guilty feeling where like I should be working on my actual novel? Like, yes and no. I mean, I I, I tried writing a short story, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Um, yeah, there there are always different other writing projects that I'll be I'll be dipping into and, and leaving. But I the the that kind of commitment and care that I felt mm-hmm. for this novel has not been present in the other projects. Mm-hmm. And so, um, to me, they're more um, exercises. Yeah. And but this to me was my was my thing. So like so when you have a, a notebook because you have them in your life right now. So when you have a, a notebook with you because I'm I'm the same way. I always have yeah. something to write on. For you, is it just jotting down like little notes or things? So for me, should I show I, you my journal? <laughs> sure, I would love to see. So it. I am a, like an obsessive, crazy journal keeper. Yeah. I've kept. I, I have a whole um, drawer full of journals okay. that I have dated from when I was like 18 to now, and it's actually really fun to look through them because I can see different versions of the novel or different yeah. questions, and so it's kind of like I don't know. It's so. So do you like do this. like? Okay, first off, your handwriting is incredible. Thank um, you. So do you do like little snippets of things you see out in the world or? Yeah, or processing my day or things I have to do or when I was writing the novel, it would be scenes that would come to me, they would come up here, um, poems that I'm working on. I love that. Okay, so like for me, if I walk into an Irish pub. Yeah. I will try to like look around and see like if they have like is the top shelf of whiskey like dusty because it's not being used uh-huh. or are the lights dim because it's a place that you see just like regulars who don't want to see each other like, uh-huh. those are the notes I leave myself like, I think right. I more so like ask myself questions in my yes so but yours was, is more so like decompressing from the day and then thinking about scenes or rest. also questions or also um, like language that I'm hearing that I like things that people are saying yeah things like that yeah do you ever feel I feel very almost like guiltily like voyeuristic when I'm when I hear other people talking mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm always like and I'm just sitting there like I'm like looking over yeah. trying not to and I'm like writing down I feel there's one line in my novel that is directly plucked from this little girl in a grocery store that That's I amazing. that I saw there's this little I was at a grocery store and I was in front of I was behind this mother and her daughter, and her daughter was really little, like I think in preschool. Yeah. And she just looks up at her mom and says, Mommy, I'm really loving preschool. <laughs> and that melted my heart so oh my much God. that when I was writing later, it just came out just like that. And I think that's the only line that I've stolen like as as, as complete. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I, I just loved it, and so I just took it. Um. <laughs> I was on a plane um, on the way back from Arizona a couple of days ago, and I literally heard 
this little girl telling the person next to them, who I later learned was not their mother, just right. a complete stranger, they asked them if they'd ever read a story about a dragon princess. And the woman's like, no, I haven't. And mm -hmm. so she proceeded for the next 45 minutes to tell her her little story about dragon princesses. And I was just sitting, That's like, amazing. taking little notes, like, okay, I'm not going to see this little girl's ideas, but I just want to, like, battle that little person as right. a character. And I was like, oh, my God, it yeah, was so that's wonderful. that's amazing. Um, okay, I saw that you... I was poking around your Twitter because that's part of my job is being creepy okay. and I have to like do research. I always feel uh -huh. weird about this. Um, I saw that you had something about Valerie June. The I love Valerie June. Okay, so I got to see Valerie June. I saw her recently too. I got to see her at Farm Aid. Uh -huh. Like it's a bit, I don't remember seeing, I don't know what Farm Aid is, but it's like a big festival, like a, a, long, a full day festival and it's outside and uh -huh. she was one of the first like three or four people who went on and right. just killed it. I know. She's, She's so talented. She her stage presence is amazing. Yes. It's like otherworldly. Yeah. Oh, she she's one of those people who she doesn't I don't think we're the same species. Like Yeah, I, no, exactly. I, 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 she's some higher plane of existence. Right, right. So it got me thinking, first off, because I wanted to bring it up, because I was like, oh, another person knows Valerie June. But do you listen to music when you're writing? And if so, like, does it, does the mood affect it? Or I guess, like, what do you, how do you decide what to listen to? Yeah, um, so it, de it really depends on the scene, and it also actually depends on the character. There, there's actually, I, I created a playlist for um, Amar. Whenever mm -hmm. I'd be writing scenes in Amar's perspective, yeah. I have uh, a list of songs that I would listen to on repeat. And because I've listened to them so many times, I don't really need, uh, I don't really hear the lyrics anymore. Okay. Um, and there's certain other pieces that I would, um, like more classical, yeah. like instrumental stuff that I would listen to for other kinds of moods in the uh -huh. world. And, um, one soundtrack that I listened to from the beginning of writing the novel to the end um, is kind of embarrassing, uh, but the Lion King soundtrack. Oh, yeah, that's not embarrassing. I it's listen amazing. to it all the time, yeah. at least once a day when writing my novel. That's I would listen amazing. to it. Yeah, and uh, when I was like trying to, like when I had a deadline coming up mm -hmm. and I like just needed to edit, you know, the version of the, you know, the version where it's. Um, he Lives in You. It's like the Broadway version. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I would listen to that on repeat. It's amazing. And so you never I don't know get if tired it's amazing. of it? No, I, I never get tired of it. I don't know if it's amazing or like actually terrifying. <laughs> um, no, I think it's amazing. That's fantastic. Those are the songs that I would listen to, yeah. That is awesome. See, I struggle with, um, I can listen to soundtracks, but I struggle with listening to words, like mm. either spoken word or, you know, lyrics while mm -hmm. I'm writing. So, like, I'll listen to. The Harry Potter soundtrack. Right. All its own. That's is, a good one too. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, that's kind of a go-to. But uh, but um, there are also times when you're writing that you do need silence. Like mm -hmm. you do need to like listen to what the, the like the rhythm of the sentence is saying yeah. or the movement of the paragraph. Mm -hmm. And so for those, I would have to I'd have to be in silence. So we talked about how this, this adventure, this journey started when you were 18. How are you kind of budgeting your time, kind of going mm. through like college and classes and, and all these courses and things? Were you kind of writing in the morning and the night? It, like, how was your writing process through all of this? So shortly after I started my novel, I changed my major. I began as a pre-med major, or mm -hmm. well, not a pre-med major, but I was taking pre-med courses. Yeah. And then when I started writing this novel, and it became clear to me that this is the the one thing that I wanted to do. 
um, I switched to a creative writing major. I was really lucky that UC Riverside had a creative writing That's amazing. major class. And so my instead of distracting me from my aim, it was help assisting me. Yeah. Like either it was introducing me to different novels that I was able to, you know, figure out how the writer was doing what the writer was doing, yeah. or um, sometimes I was able to workshop, you know, early sections of the novel. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after Riverside, I I moved to Iowa City to go to the, the workshop. Right. Um, and so, and then at the workshop, that's that is asked of you really besides also workshopping other people's pieces is yeah. working on your own project and so I was able to um, like structure my entire day. day around writing and um, almost to like an unhealthy point one thing <laughs> that is really great about you know being done with it now is that I can take a step back and say um, you know what are aspects of my life that I've been neglecting that I now want to give time to because yeah. I like just didn't give time to when I was sure. writing and so um, so that is an exciting new um, mm -hmm. place that I'm in. Yeah. Now. Um, and then, like we we discussed discuss this before we started recording, this is your first kind of like go around with the, being at a convention and yeah. trade shows and things like that. So, how, what has the experience been like since you turned in your novel and everything and kind of realizing like, okay, now for so long as an My author, secret project. yeah, for so long you've been yeah. like kind of almost like secluded the writers of this interesting life for, like, for so long you're by yourself and writing the story and go 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 right and then you have to go in front of people like me and talk about it all the time so what's the experience been like uh, both overwhelming and moving yeah. um, and I think overwhelming and also a positive way too mm -hmm. um, it it is it, it does really feel like the exact opposite of writing um, mm -hmm. in that like you said like writing is so private and yeah. you're and you're just um, yeah, like you're alone and you're, it's just right. you and the character. Um, so it's a very different, it's a very different <laughs> yeah. thing to like then talk about your stuff, mm -hmm. your work. Um, and I'm, I think I'm, you know, I mean, I just finished it. And so, and this yeah. is like my first time ever <laughs> having a podcast conversation sure. about it. And so, um, I'm kind of figuring it out as I go. But one thing that's been so, something that I didn't even Okay, but going back, like, the whole time that I was working on it, I actually didn't allow myself to imagine what it would be like to be done with it or mm -hmm. what it would be like to publish it. I, like, I was only focusing on, on the page and on, on the family, and I didn't want to get, I didn't, partially, I think, because I didn't want to get distracted mm -hmm. by something that wasn't there yet, wasn't there or, and, um, and I just wanted to, and I didn't want to change the family's life and story based off of suddenly imagining a, a reader, mm -hmm. you know? Um, of course, you do keep a reader in mind, because yeah. otherwise it would be complete nonsense, but... Um, but no, I, th I think that's really, that's a, a, a special talent to have, though, because so many people say that they want to write a novel and they want to be published, and they'll say those things because they're picturing, you know, book signings or seeing their name on a bestsellers list and things like that, but they don't want to do the work of sitting there and kind of grinding out, grinding out page after page. I think that's a really unique talent to have that ability to be like, no, I, I need to stay focused in this story and with this family before I think about any of that. So that's, mm. you have a unique talent about that. Uh, thank you. Um, but wait, going back to like what has this experience has been like, one thing that I totally didn't anticipate, or, you know, was talking to people who have read it mm -hmm. and, and hearing them um, talk about either a character that they loved yeah. or like a moment that they liked. It's been so, um, 
it's been such a gift and such a so far it's been like such a I don't know it, it so strange because like like I said it's been like my private thing and right. then suddenly it's also some somebody has had their own private experience uh-huh. with it like and their own relationship to it but it has been a huge gift to be like have those conversations and yeah. and it does make me think or it does tell me um, or or it does make me feel like okay yes this is now this is for the reader yeah. it is not for me to just sit with it forever it yeah. is for it is for somebody else to have an experience I've heard a lot of it. people say that like once once you send that final draft mm-hmm. to your editors and your publishers and publicists, like, okay, this isn't my book anymore. Now it's right. the world's book. So that's right. Especially after spending eight years with it, it has to feel right. But I a do think I do feel like nothing compares to the actual writing of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, to waking up and knowing, like, okay, this is a scene that I want to write today, uh-huh. and then you sit down and and it's like horrible because you don't really get to it, mm-hmm. and then or like you don't get to it in the way that you hoped you would, <laughs> yeah. and then. Um, That's the best part. So I have to ask, your your book is the first book in Sarah Jessica Parker's new kind of publishing house. So have you gotten to meet her? Have, have oh what, yeah. So what what was that experience like hearing the like, kind of having it be like, okay, wait, who wants to publish my novel? Like what, what was that experience like? Right. Um, yeah, going back to what I was saying about how I hadn't allowed myself to imagine what this point in the process would be like. There's like nowhere in my mind that I ever thought this would be <laughs> what the process would be like. But I feel so, so fortunate. Um, I I do remember when I first um, got the call from Sarah Jessica. Mm-hmm. I was actually I had just landed in New York. I was about to go and meet um, the editors at the at Hogarth at SJP for Hogarth, uh-huh. and um, and I spoke with her on the phone, and it was just. I, like I was on the street corner, so I had to duck into the first place that I saw, and it was a McDonald's. And I like sat down, and and it was so. And I and I think the first thing I said to her was like, "Oh, I recognize your voice going back so many years, uh-huh. you know, because yeah, somebody's voice is their voice, right?" Yeah. And then um, and then from there we had like so we've had um, we've been working together for about a year now, That's right? Um, because I think it was around this time last year when I first got that call. Uh-huh. Um, and it's been such an amazing and, and really personal experience yeah. too um, to hear from to hear her thoughts or the way that she's read it and, and just feel like um, I continue to feel like she is um, the ideal reader that you might imagine for your book if that makes sense yeah. like the things that she picks up on and or the way that she speaks about a book mm-hmm. or the way that it, you can it's so clear that that um, that she she spends so much time in the world of a book yeah. and and really and so I just feel so lucky that it's you know that to be able to embark upon this with yeah. her and it is my first book and so mm-hmm. you know that makes me really happy to hear how like involved she was in the process like, yeah I, I know a lot of people will probably assume wrongly that it's just she put her name on a publishing house but it's it's really great to hear that right knowing what I do about her with like her she's working with the book club central program or she's right. creating this book club and yeah. having these picks like it's clear she's an incredible reader right and so it's wonderful to hear that yeah not just throughout conversations like not just one and talking about like um my book and mm-hmm. you know it, it's just so evident that she's such a like a thoughtful and smart reader and yeah. that she's coming at it from a 
like a true place of love and like um, mm -hmm. an understanding of like what reading can do for somebody yeah. and so it's just been a really great energy I feel um, awesome. and I, it's been so like wonderful working with the entire team like mm -hmm. you know Okay, so at the end of our podcast, we do nine very lighthearted questions. Okay. We'll change the pace from everything we've been talking yeah. about. So we call these the Nerd Nine. They never end up being rapid fire questions, they're just lighthearted. So mm -hmm. the first one is What's the last book you finished reading? The last book that I finished. Okay, uh, okay, so there's two. Sure. Um, one is The Lover's Dif Discourse. Okay. Um, and one is We the Animals by Justin Torres. Nice. Do you have a favorite place to read? Do I have a favorite place to read? Right now, I love my couch. <laughs> that works. Um, a lot of people say bed, and I yeah. always fall asleep reading in bed. I can't do it. Right. I feel like I'm just going like, to drop a book on my face every night. So. Right. Couch, I can do that, because I can yeah. sit up and do that. Yeah, I love my couch. <laughs> um, do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading, or like maybe the first book you remember really? I don't remember the first book that I fell in love with reading. Um, but I do remember the first book that made me aware of what um, like prose can do, mm -hmm. and or that, that that prose is a thing that a writer works at to like achieve yeah. a feeling. It was my junior year of high school, and we read *The Great Gatsby*. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting to the last paragraph and the the rhythm of the the last the whole last oh, page, it's and like the the rhythm like and so we beat on. Um, you know, boats against the current. I believe it is like mm -hmm. born back ceaselessly into the past, and the way that 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 sentence itself Flows, felt like yeah, like, like water. water. Mm -hmm. I remember my like 16 or 17 year old mind was like blown. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't believe it, and that was the first time that I was like, you know, the writer has done something here, yeah. and I couldn't figure it out. And I photocopied that last page. Uh -huh. I I made like six photocopies. I put one inside my locker. Mm -hmm. I put one in my binder in the the plastic oh, in yeah. my binder. I put one on my wall. I like went. I really mm. went for it with that. <laughs> and I, I think that. But that's when I first started thinking like, how can you? How did he do that? Like, how yeah. can I do that? You know. Uh -huh. That's um, my the way you, you're talking about that last paragraph. I think the first one for me like that was of mice and men. Uh -huh. Just the same thing with like the foreshadowing and. Uh, the whole th I thought it was like first yeah, same thing where I like realized at the end what was happening. I was like, right. oh my god, this is just like sheer like genius and talent but I guess I attract a lot um, <laughs> what's one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to that I've not yet been yeah I want to go to Portugal yeah that's a good answer no yeah. one said Portugal yet. yeah I really want to go there nice. um, do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate um, do I have a favorite holiday not really this year was my first year ever getting a Christmas tree. That was there exciting. That's like, that works. Um, growing up, I loved celebrating Eid. Mm -hmm. um, Eid al-Fitr, the one that's at the end of Ramadan. Okay. That was always exciting because, one, you were done fasting. That was like done <laughs> you know, fasting, you're done yeah. fasting, right. so you're really happy. And also, that's the only one that my parents would get as presents. Uh -huh. All the other Eids, they just didn't do the present right. thing. And so I think, as a kid, I was, I was ready to love that one. Yeah, <laughs> so I was... I always think about Thanksgiving. I come from a really big family, and it's so like hmm. Christmas. Thanksgiving, and yeah. Yeah, well, just because like Christmas for us is almost more stressful than the else because there's like right. ninety-five thousand children to buy stuff for, so there's so many of them. Right. Thanksgiving, it's just like show up somewhere, you eat, eat a bunch of food, and yeah. I forgot food. about Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, are you a coffee person or a tea coffee. person? Coffee. That's the right answer. Yeah. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I have a cat. Okay. Her name is Kiara, mm -hmm. so I'm a cat person, okay. I guess. Yeah. Do you have a favorite food? 
Anything my mom makes. Uh, and then if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? I usually get yelled at for asking this question. You do? Yeah, because the authors just stare at me like, really, one person? And yeah, that's a really hard one. I know. I always go with Jim Henson or Dr. Seuss. Hmm, those are good. Kid. I don't know if I can answer that one. That's okay. You don't have to. Maybe Obama? That's a really good one. <laughs> Honestly, we've heard more Michelle Obamas than right. Barack Obamas. Well, that's the other one. That's why it was so hard to answer, but you asked once. I was like, which one do well, I choose? Well, we can say two. You can say both. We can do the Obamas yeah. together. Actually, now that you mentioned Michelle, I think it's going to be Michelle. It's got to be Michelle. It's got to be Michelle. Somebody, I don't remember who it was, but someone was like, once I got done sobbing from seeing her and I picking know. myself off the ground, then I'd then be Then I would be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so last question for you. What do you hope that readers take away from hmm. reading your book? I would love if readers feel like they have um, really witnessed this family in the family's like happiest moments, you know, the most tender moments between characters, mm -hmm. as well as witnessed um, kind of their darkest moments or their greatest mistakes, yeah. and and just really because you're with the family throughout decades, mm -hmm. I, I really um, would love if readers just feel like. Um, Yes, I know what it was like to be this family mm -hmm. over X amount of years. Yeah. That would be just That's the feeling of experiencing yeah. that. that I think that would be well, Fatima, hearing your passion for this story, I can't wait for people to not only hear this conversation, but more importantly, read this book. It's, Thank you. Uh, people are going to absolutely love it. Thank you so much for chatting today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You were you were a great, um, you were so kind, and I, and I just <laughs> felt I was so nervous before this. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.